the title of my message this morning is on the three locations of the soul. The three locations of the soul. And uh, to get us started, allow me to introduce my co-presenters for this message. The tallest, the most handsome man in this church. Guardian Angel, Karibu. <laughs> and Mark and Elder February. Aliso get, get us the things. Karibu ni, smameni chokambeta. Clap for them so that you can share them out. I'm using them for vertical advantage, okay? Nothing personal. Give each of them according to their color. <laughs> Make it visible the same way you are visible. I call him guardian angel because when uh, Tim was wedding, he came dressed in pure white. And because of his skin, it was really a good message. <laughs> it is a name between me and him, guardian angel. Luke 23, I'll begin from verse 23, uh, from verse 33. The Bible says, Luke 23, from verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand, and the other on the left. 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Verse 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen for God. 36. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, and offering him vinegar. 37. And saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, Save thyself, 38. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jew, 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us, 40. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God? seeing thou art in the, in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, uh, for, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But the man hath done nothing amiss. 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. 43, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Father, we bless your word once again and we ask you, Holy Spirit, reveal and glorify Jesus even as we share in Jesus' name. Amen. The message of the cross is a neglected reality 
Because it takes the Holy Spirit to understand it. The message of the cross, I am sorry to say, is no longer a popular preaching by many preachers. Because it is not fancy. And sometimes it is not understandable. It has been made so religious, still people have reduced the cross to a, you know, what do we call it? The, the crucifix that you hang on your neck or you put on your door or you put in your building. But there is more to the cross that if we understand this morning, some pain that we have been carrying will be lifted off. Some oppression we have been carrying will be lifted off. My message I repeat today is on the three locations of the soul. The soul can be on the left. The soul can be at the center. The soul can be on the right. The soul as we see with our colors there can be black. The soul as we see with this other color can be gray. The soul as we see on the other side of the color can be white or golden or pure. The soul can be on the left side of the will of God. The soul can be on the right side of the will of God. Or the soul can be at the center of the will of God. Men come to the place called Calvary. Now the problem with Calvary, Calvary was not a place of rejoicing and of sweetness and of ease and of professionalism. Calvary was a mess. There was blood as these people hung there. There was pain. There was tears. There was anguish. There was unpredictability. Yet, this was the place for the three souls to show us what they got. At the end of it, one man decided, I will live black, I will die black, I will be remembered black. Another man decided, I will live gray, I will die gray, and I will be remembered gray. Another man decided, I will live pure, I will die pure, and I will be remembered pure. At every moment of our lives, we are either going to find ourselves carrying a black cross, or carrying a gray cross, or carrying a golden or a pure cross. In this church this morning, and after we leave this church, this is what is going to happen. Men are going to sit here carrying a black cross or carrying a gray cross or carrying a golden cross. When the men leave this building and the women and the children leave this building, we are either going to be carrying a black cross or carrying a gray cross or carrying a pure white and golden cross. This man as a problem, and we love this man, it's just for demonstration, okay? Nothing personal. This man has a problem. As we have read, he begins to complain. He begins to criticize. Step a bit so that they can see you better. He begins to criticize. He begins to pick grudges and to pick points about the past. This man decides to be black. And at every moment of our lives, we may be near Jesus. But in the spiritual realm, we are black. We may be talking to Jesus and Jesus can even be looking at us and smiling. But we still have a problem. Our cross is black. What do we mean by a cross being black? What do we mean by a cross being white? What do we mean by a cross being gray? Allow me to regress a bit.
One time I went to a meeting where an international preacher had come to town to preach and he was accompanied by other international preachers. And the meeting, as usual, as you can expect, was packed and the people were expectant. And we worshipped like we have worshipped this morning and as we worshipped, I knelt down and I was pouring my heart to Jesus. Then I entered in a trance and I saw something that was very disturbing. Everybody join me. Just come. I saw a man walking on the pulpit and on his hand and in his heart was planted a black cross. And every time he waved the cross, waved it. Every time he waved the cross and he waved it on the people and he waved it on the pulpit and he waved it and he waved it, there was so much filth that was getting on the people. There was so much discouragement that was entering the people. There was so much devastation that was entering the people. Those who had come for direction were living without direction. Those who had come for honor were living without honor. Those who had come for forgiveness were living without forgiveness. And I began to shake and ask the Lord, what will happen? The Lord told me, I am still talking to you. Keep watching. And as I kept watching, Thank God, the session for that man to do whatever he was doing was over. And he stepped down. And the Lord in his grace now brought the next person. This person was leading worship. Just come, Mark. And as this person stood up there with his microphone to begin leading worship, he also began to wave his cross unknowingly. He is waving his cross, wave it. And he's waving his cross as he's leading worship, waving the cross. And the people began to warm up a bit. The people began to be encouraged a bit. The people began to expect God a bit. But that was not all. There was no move of God as you will expect. So after a while, thank God. We always have to thank God. Thank God. The man stepped down. Then the simple, humble preacher came on the pulpit. And he took the microphone and he began to cry, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And as he was crying, lightning and fire and power began to come through his hands. And as you will expect, he was also waving the cross, unknowingly waving the cross. And the people began to be touched by God and to be moved and they began to be revived. And the Lord told me, watch. And as I kept watching, I saw fire come from him and reaching the people. Fire step on the pulpit and reaching the people. And the Lord told me, never forget what you have just learned. Step down a bit. Mary Kay Baxter, the woman of God whom I really love, if you have time to get his books, go get his books. She had a vision. The vision was how the Lord took her in the spirit and she began to go into churches. And sometimes she could be physically in those churches and watch what was happening. And the Lord could open her eyes. And some pulpits were full of dirt and were black. In these pulpits, there were traditions of men. There were orders of men. There were, you know, affairs and programs of men. And from these pulpits, the Lord could not move. And there were other pulpits. She could see, and these pulpits were on fire. These pulpits were golden in color. From these pulpits, angels could descend from heaven like in a flash and plant crosses. And immediately people could begin to be touched by God. And people could come to the front to repent their sins. And when I read that, I discovered, 
What makes people to be touched is not how loud the preacher is. What makes people to be moved is not how eloquent a preacher is. What makes people to be touched is the cross you carry in your heart. And you can carry a black cross without knowing it. You can carry a gray cross without knowing it. Or you can carry a beautiful golden cross which attracts the fire of heaven. So I'm here to explain these three. And when we are done, you will walk out of this place and determine which kind of cross you want to carry. Allow me to go back again to the Old Testament. And let me quote Joshua, the last chapter of Joshua, chapter 24, from verse 1. Joshua begins to give his farewell speech, because that is the last chapter of Joshua. And you'll expect him to talk about the military, you'll expect him to talk about so many things. Joshua begins to tell Israel about their leaders, and how God has moved with his leaders. The man he began to talk about was Abraham. Now Abraham, and I want you to listen very carefully, Abraham was not only before he received the visitation that led him to be a man of God, Abraham used to worship idols with his father Terah and the rest of the family. Abraham used to be an idol worshiper, but history goes further to tell us Abraham used also to sell the same gods that he was worshiping. So, in his past life, Abraham was uh, an idolater. Abraham was black. Abraham, in this other life where he was selling idols, Abraham was black. Abraham had no influence. When your soul is black, you have no influence. When your soul is black, you have no impact. When your soul is black, you have no future. Abraham, as an, an idol worshiper, was maybe making a lot of money, but when history is written, he was going to be forgotten. Abraham as an idol worshiper may have been having a big name in the city, but he was useless, spiritually speaking. One day, like today, some of you, it is happening right now. One day, Abraham gets a call. Holy Ghost was a call. Abraham, the Lord said to him in Genesis 12, begin walking with me. Go to the land I will show you. Just walk. And Abraham began walking. And as he's walking, this cross was being transformed from black to color gray. It was not yet white because he was still lying. You know, planning with his wife how to lie. It was not yet white because he was still doubting God, questioning God, arguing with God. It was not yet white. But at least it was gray. Because when he began walking, he did not become a friend of God overnight. He took many years before he could be called the friend of God. I want to tell you people, as long as you are still in your past, as long as you are still yet to confess those secret sins, we may praise you, but in the spiritual realm, when angels are looking at you, your cross is black, and your future is bleak. Making money. You know, tomorrow you should go to Parklands, with all due respect, you will find people bowing to physical idols. You will find people bowing to physical idols. And some will even be selling them. The other day, uh, Zit Dikon Moraguri was telling us about the Muindis who 
their gods was being sold. And they are to go and rescue their gods. And you go to Parkland tomorrow, you find a man bowing to a physical idol. As a Christian, this is what you do. Don't judge him. Tomorrow it may be the Abraham, God will tell, take a walk with me. Tomorrow it may be the Abraham, God is saying, Abraham, take a walk. We need to make history. Year by year as you walk with me. Season by season as you walk with me. Before I go to gray, allow me to describe black. Because many of us, whether we like it or not, we either are in the black zone of soul, or we either have friends who are black, or we either have neighbors who are black. Because this thing was not irrelevant. By the time Jesus is giving a slot next to him of a man who is full of filth and arguments and full of bitterness and is reasoning and questioning and accusing, there was a reason why Jesus allowed this man to stand next to him. Not for two minutes, not for three minutes, but for over three hours. The Bible even proves to us, long after Jesus had died, this man and the other one were still not yet dead. Can I talk to you briefly? Do you discover that evil people don't die quickly? <laughs> Wicked men don't just leave this earth quickly. They take years. Long after we have buried the bishops and the pastors, they are still there. And why does God do this? God does it. Paradventure, they may change their mind. Paradventure, they may say, Lord, have mercy on me. Paradventure, they may say, enough of being dark. Now I want to be golden. This man was given a chance. And he began a walk that took him 25 years. Even by the time Abraham is dying, he was not yet there. But at least he was walking. Tell your neighbor, try to walk. Another man who was once black, and we are going to look at him briefly in the interest of time, was Moses. Moses lives as a murderer, as a quitter. A man who shoved a man and buried him in the sand. And had you met him, you would have connected his picture to the one we saw in the newspaper. Wanted a murderer. One day he's told by the Lord, Moses, take a walk. I have a mission for you. Let's take a walk. And as Moses responds to this calling, just like some of you need to respond to the call to walk with the Lord, not to sit, not to think, not to imagine, but just to keep walking. As this man called Moses began walking, he was making a three turn from black to gray, finally to golden and pure. Be patient with those who are black because you never know what the Lord wants to do with them tomorrow. I come to gray. This man is telling Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. Not on us, not on humanity, not on my society, on me. The problem with this man, and this is why he did not make so much impact, the problem with him, he is too individualistic. It is life about him. It is salvation about him. It is the good name about him. Everything begins and ends with him. So as much as he is next to Jesus, he is not making a lot of impact because every road leads to him. He is sanctified but sanctified for him. 
He is forgiven but forgiven for him. And one of the things that is making Christianity not to have an impact today is because men are yet to go beyond themselves. Men are yet to go beyond praying for themselves and crying for themselves and thinking about themselves. Men are yet to transition from gray to golden. This man is repentant, but not repentant for other people. He is only repentant about himself. Now, I like what NIV uses to call these two people. They were called rebels or men who had opposed the system. Meaning, as they are opposing the system, they are the followers. But in the day of suffering, in the day of reconciling to Christ, they were only concerned about themselves, not about the followers they were leading before. Today, this man is true, he went to paradise. But the people who followed him, because they lacked an intercessor, they did not go to paradise. It is true this man is saved, but the people who look up to him are not yet saved, because this man is too caught up in himself. Calvary is a place of choosing which side you shall belong. Calvary is a place of choosing how big your art is. How great your mission is. And every day people come to this church and they sit down smiling, smart, looking at the preacher. There will always be the Mr. Black man who will never repent, who will never be shaken. There will be Mr. Gray man who will be repenting but repenting for himself. <laughs> crying but crying for himself. And when paradise is done, there is no great impact because every road was leading to him. Welcome to Jesus. When this man had pain, he didn't say, Father, remove my pain. When this man had sorrow, he didn't say, Father, remove my sorrow. This man was saying, Father, them. Father, them. This man was not individualistic. This man was corporate. This man was not looking at now. He was looking at tomorrow. This man could be remembered in history. Allow me to tell you something, people. The reason why this man failed, as we have seen, is that life was about him, not about the people who are connected to him. The reason why this man succeeded is because life was about the will of the Father. The pleasure of the Father. The plan of the Father. Now the problem with this man, he is so obsessed with the past. He is so obsessed with himself and his opinions and his pain till he has no time to repent. The good thing with this man is repenting, but he is not repenting big enough. This man does not talk the past. This man talks the future. So he tells this fellow, today you will be with me in paradise. Meaning, today I will give you a future. Meaning, today I will lead you to the place you don't deserve to be led to. Meaning, today I will translate you to something greater into the future. The reason why we should look to Jesus and his cross is because that is the only place where there is the future. 
Many people are caught up in their thoughts of the past. Many people are caught up in trying to save their skin. Many people have no time to be caught up in Jesus. This man symbolizes the future. And I want to tell you something, people of God. As much as there can be trouble in our world, as much as there can be setback in our world, this man, as you look to him, the Spirit upon him will come upon you. The grace upon him will come upon you. The ability upon him will come upon you. Every day when man rises up to look to Jesus and to call upon the power of his blood and the power of his resurrection, this is what happens. They are translated from the blackness of their past and the grayness of their trouble. And they are translated to something bigger called the future. The problem with the gospel is that we stopped telling people about making impact for the future. We began to seduce them with how to get rich quick. We began to tell them how to get out of your trouble within three days, within two days. And Christ and his cross are mocked. Because Christ was not about elevating pain, removing pain from this man. Christ was about, let me take you to the future. And the disciples have left behind. He was there praying for them so that the future could be conquered. The cross is not about the present only. The cross is about the future. I love this man because the approval of God is on him. The honor of God is on him. The victory of God is on him. Why is it on him? Not just because he's the son of God, but because he carries three things that we did not have time to put up, up here. Number one, he's king of the Jews, and it is written in Hebrew. Number two, is king of the Greeks, and it is written in Greek. I mean, is king of the Jews, and it is written in Greek. Number three, is king of the Jews, and it is written in Latin, which was the official language of Rome. I repeat, this man has something up here. He has a title. And this title is called King of the Jews, but it is written in Hebrew, then it is written in Latin, then it is written in Greek. What is the meaning of that? The Hebrews were the immediate neighbors of Jesus. In his pain, he was still their king. The Rome, the Romans, were the persecutors, the men who put the spear in the, in the, in the sides of Jesus. The Romans were those who organized for Jesus to be killed. The Romans were his immediate enemies. Yet on the top of his pain, he was still their king. The Greeks, as we see in John chapter 12, were those who always speculated and criticized without saying they were criticizing. They were the middlemen who were neither following Jesus or, you know, opposing Jesus. They were just there. Jesus was still their king. Let me tell you something. You will not be king just by saying you are king. You will be king when you suffer as a king. Kings must suffer like kings. How did this man suffer like king when others are busy cursing and swearing and kicking and threatening? The Bible says he held his peace and he watched with his eyes. And he only responded 
with a response targeting the future. We have been hearing preaching about you. No, we are a royal priesthood, meaning we are kings. We are kings not because our mouth is saying it or because a preacher is saying it. We are a king because in our suffering we reveal majesty. It is important to understand that as a Christian, you need to suffer as a Christian. You don't suffer like a loser. You suffer with dignity. You suffer with royalty. You suffer with silence. You don't go making noise as if you have stolen something. It is this man who was making a lot of noise. Today, February, we need to cleanse you after this. <laughs> it is this man kicking and shouting and threatening and throwing tantrums. No wonder the title of king of the Jews was not on him. This other one is having a self-pity and saying, oh, I have done so much wrong. And therefore, because of self-pity, the title of king of the Jews was not on him. Let me tell you something. I wish we had time, but listen. Every royal house in this world, in Britain we have the house of Windsor. In uh, Scotland, I think we have the house of Stuart. All these people, these royal houses, were made royal not because they went to the church and they signed a deal to be royal. No. Uh, they came to go to war. They fought mightily and they were above the rest. After the battle, they were told from today, the house of Windsor rules. Because in Britain, there is the house of Marlborough, there is the house of, uh, is it uh, Norfolk, there is the house of I don't know where, and all these houses, they contributed money and they contributed their blood. But the house of Windsor rose up and overcame them all to death. The house of Windsor rules. We rule not because we have thought enough about rulership or because we have talked enough about rulership we rule because in the place of suffering, we made it with majesty. We carried ourselves with dignity. We carried ourselves with honor. We did not flap our mouth as if we have no future when we are suffering. This man is so scared to death, he knows he's going to end and he's begging for his skin. He has no time to be a majesty. He has no time to be a king. Tell your neighbor, suffer with royalty. This man, <laughs> it is time to shed blood. But he's shedding it with style. It is time to lose some few limbs, but he's losing his limbs with style. It is time to be accused and he's returning the accusation with a silence. It is time to be, to be ridiculed, but he's returning the ridicule with style. Do you know, according to this Bible, this man was not spat on. No saliva came on this one. According to this Bible, this man was not even accused. Him, he was told, Kujapa, Kujapa, come here, come here. You are a thief. You are going to the cross. But this one, every setup of accusation, it was like a concussion. It was like imported accusation. The local accusation was not enough. They had to go to the temple, accuse him there. Then they took him to Herod, they accused him there. Then they took him to Pilate, they accused him there. This one was accused by everybody that can be imagined. And the Bible says, through it all, he never opened his mouth. Because kings don't open their mouth. 
And when they do, they are told, hey, go back to being king. Like the, the other day I was telling a friend of mine, she's right here, that the crowd are known for noise, but leaders are known for policy. We want hunger, hunger, hunger. We want salmon, salmon, salmon. And they will make noise. Then a leader will come, wait, wait, wait. 3% adjustment and he will talk English. After you have talked English, you will take a pen and sign and say, from today, your prizes you are, made, you are making noise about has been reduced. Effective July or effective next year. Go home and stay silent. People come to Moses. Moses, you want water. Moses, water, water, water. And you forget Moses is also feeling thirsty. And he's not even talking about it. When, most, when the people are done, Moses goes to God. Uh, what angle are we giving these people? Oh, go speak to the rock. Rock, give these people water. You are not king because you have a big body or a small body. You are not going to be king because you have a big mouth. You are a king because when others are making noise, you, you are concentrating on making policy. You are concentrating on giving us the direction to the future. Let me wrap it up so that we can close. This man, this man can be your hero. He can be your role model. This man can be your future. This man can be your identity. All those who forsake everything to follow this man eventually will look like this man. I hope now you understand what the meaning of seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and then all these other things the crowd is making noise about will be given to you. You are never going to be king till we have proved your mouth and we have proved your temperature and are suffering and we have proved your resilience in the midst of confusion. You will not be king. Oh, I forgot. King of what? The Jews, but written in Hebrew. A day comes, your immediate people, your immediate family, your immediate friends, after you have suffered, the Bible says in Hebrews, after you have suffered, they will say, we bow down and we accept the God you serve is truly God. Meanwhile, for it to happen, don't join the noisemakers. Hold your hostess. Close your mouth. Shut up. Let God vindicate you. After a while, there will be the Greeks. Those who question, but they don't talk. The Bible says in John 12, and the Greeks came to, you know, Philip, and they told Philip, Sir, we want to see Jesus. We want to check him out. But we don't want to join him. We want to see him. <laughs> they are your family members, but they are naysayers who are not naysaying anything. These are the Greeks. As you hold your horses, as you suffer as a king, soon you will rule over them. Finally, they are the Romans. Those who do you physical damage, they do you financial damage, they do you emotional damage, they do you all manner of damage. These ones, as you suffer silently. I like what the Bible says there. That a Roman official or a soldier stood up and said, this surely was the son of God. And he did not know he was opening a door for the whole of Rome as we know it to date to accept that Jesus was the Son of God. 
If you go to Rome right now, there is a city called the Vatican City, separated to Jesus, the king of the Rome. Suffering is not what is going to make you great, but how you suffer. Tell your neighbor how you suffer. Pastor asked me to give this story. I'll give it, then we finish. It's not a long one. It's a short one. Bible closed. I had a friend called Freddy when I was a young man. And Freddy did me damage. Here we are. Food was an issue. We, chapati was five bob. And that is what you take with water and it is lunch. And fare to and fro from school was only 10 shillings. But you have to walk on foot for two hours. And Freddy decides, God helps Freddy. Freddy decides to call me 600 shillings. When five shillings is an issue. And God knows I hated that boy. And I went to God. After that, because we are in the prefect council together, I went to the prefect council. I said, God, this guy has conned me. Then I went to the sea where we are both officials. I, I blasted his name and exploded his name. That time, Freddy was black. Why was Freddy black? He was a con man. He was a thief. He had stolen from me. After a few years, I met Freddy. And he tells me, this is why I conned you. When I was in Form 2, and you are in Form 3, our dad died. And mom also was retrenched. As the firstborn, I had to do what firstborns should do, especially when they are boys. I had to step forward, help the family. In the process, I found myself conning people, including you. Then I was a bad man. Because I was a thief. But I was not stealing to destroy people. I was stealing to help our struggling family. Mark my words. Remember, I cast him, okay? Remember, I went to the prefect council, to the, to the, to the CU, and I, I, I spread his name like margarine, like blue man. Shh, shh, shh. And I felt good because what do you do with a thief? You punish a thief? If you can, you do mob justice. So Freddy was black at that time. The mom died after a few months. And Freddy and his brothers and sisters, there were about six, they moved to the slum. And Freddy made a decision that now made him gray. Previously he was black. Mark Mr. Black over there. Now he was gray because he was taking responsibility. He decided to leave school in Form 2 to go home and begin living in the slum, selling kerosene. Finally, the boy was taking responsibility for himself. But he was not yet perfect. He was still gray because in the slum, he almost backslid. In the slum, he was not so honest. But at least he was doing something constructive. No longer stealing, but working with his two hands. And if some of you looking at me right now, listening to me, you are in that place where you are repairing a broken past. I want to challenge you and encourage you. Keep repairing that past. Keep making the right decisions. The cross will move from black. It will come to gray. So Freddy is in the slums. Selling kerosene. To now support the family. One day something happened. That is so important for you to listen. One day a woman came. Crying in the slums. 
And this woman was saying, Hey, they have stolen from me. They have stolen from me. And she looked cute and delicate and so, so fine. Her hair was fine. Her earrings were expensive. And people looked at her in the slum. Are you the type to come crying here? <laughs> you know? People like you should cry over there where fellow rich people are. Don't come crying here. And she was given some good English. And the woman kept crying because she was confused. They have hijacked me. They have taken my vehicle. Even my pass is gone. My ID is gone. And she was crying. And Freddie did something that began now to move him closer to being Mr. White, Mr. Golden, to being in the center of God's approval. Freddie told this woman, I believe you. This is what I'm going to do. Let's go to my house. So he took her to the house. Bought for her some Fanta Orange. And the woman drank. Then Freddie decided, all my weak sellings, you know, the, 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 the money I've made from selling this kerosene to supplement for our income, to make ends meet, I am going to give it to you so that you can travel back to where you came from. The only problem, you will be forced to travel public. You can't take a taxi. So he gave her all the money. And I know some of you, you are right here, and you are so caught up in your poverty, you have no time to bless or support those who may be in need. When you are so caught up in your poverty, you are gray. Begin to transition from being gray to being golden, to being white. So Freddie gave this woman money and dismissed her, and the woman went away. After a few months, a man came in the same slum. Freddie, 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 Freddie. And Freddie thought, today they are going to kill me. What have I done now? And the man said, Freddie, are you the person? Freddie told him, Yes, I'm the person. I want to talk to you. Freddy, as usual, the man transitioning from being a thief to being a royalty. <laughs> Freddy told this man, let's go to my house. You know one thing Freddy used to amuse me about? He used to tell me, my brother, do not promote poverty. Do not exalt poverty. Even when you don't have, do something to make you look like you have. So Freddie takes this man again to his house. Remember, he has not finished paying the debts. You know, the debts of uh, uh, the money he gave to this woman. And some of you have done small businesses where 200 shillings can make you go bankrupt. And when you give it away carelessly and it has not returned, you may have to close the business. So Freddie goes to this house and gives this man Fanta again. Fanta orange was his soda. You know, the problem with the poor people, they don't ask you, what will you take, lest you tell them something they cannot afford. They force it on you. Take this. <laughs> so Freddy bought the soda, gave, him, gave it to this man. And this man drank. Then he told this man, what are you looking for? The man said, I just flew in from Britain, where I'm a very prominent member of the society there. I have a business worth Several millions of pounds. What you did to my mother, that woman was my mother. I'm here to repay. So, before the end of this day, wash yourself. We are going to the city of Nairobi. Freddie had never stepped to Nairobi. That was his first day to come to Nairobi. And he arrived in Nairobi. They did their passport. Within a few days, they were on their way to the, to the UK. Then they arrived. Now stand behind him. 
When they arrived in Britain, there was a problem. This was the problem. The family of this man began to murmur against this slum man. They began to mock. They began to question. Not just the family, but the workers. The man used to have a transport company of several hundreds of cars. So the drivers began to collude and to mock Freddy and to strategize how to return him back to his place in Africa. And Freddy knew it. And this is what makes Freddy our golden boy for the service. Freddy decides to do what some of you need to go and do. He decided, when these men go home, I will sneak to the car yard where they park their cars and I'll begin to wash their cars for them. And he began to wash their cars secretly for hours and hours. Even when winter came, he was still washing the cars. And he thought the, the big man was not seeing, but he was seeing. And he did not do it for a few weeks or a few months. He did it for two and a half years. Not appreciated. Their attitudes did not change. Their bad mouth remained their bad mouth. But he remained faithful to being king. I repeat again to you. Kingship is not some title you get from a preacher or from a prophet. Kingship is an attitude. Kingship is a state of your thinking, a state of your heart, a state of how you carry yourself. So Freddy decides, despite of them planning to return me back to poverty in Africa, I will be the big man doing the big thing, rising above the tide of their criticism. So he decides to watch this cars for two years. One day, the man called him and he said, Uh-oh, I thought that day I was being returned to Africa. The man told him, Freddy, can you take your calculator? Let's calculate the number of hours you have been working. Working? I was not working. You are like my father. I was supporting you in your house. I was making our business go higher. He was told, no, 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 no. This is a different society. Back in your country, men misuse fellow men. In this society, we have a culture of honoring those who honor us. Take your calculator. We are doing our math today. And the man calculated the number of hours Freddy had been spanking clean those vehicles. And when the man was done, it came not to 100,000, but to over 10 million pounds. And he was told, this is your check. Go have your life back. When I met him, and this is where the story now gets home. <laughs> when I met him, he had just arrived in Kenya to go and do what he saw his godfather the other side do. What was the godfather doing? The godfather had a palace, you know, with the swimming pool and all these things. And he had a big yard with the vehicles. And you know, children copy their parents. So Freddy had also come and he asked me, Boss, where can I get a house looking like this? I told him, that one can only be found in Karen. Okay, where is Karen? And the man began to talk big and he told me, what kind of, what, where, where can I get this kind of vehicles? I told him, not in Toyota, Kenya, in Dobi. I need several of them in the yard. And I need to train my drivers to do this. And he began to give me the vision he had seen from the other side. People of God, allow me to slap myself. This is the slap I'm giving myself. That day I did not have fare back home. That day I did not have food. Freddy had a hundred hundred Kenya, million Kenya shillings in his account. Allow me to announce, he didn't give me a shilling. 
I went to the Lord to say, Lord, the Lord told me, wait, you had your day to be a bigger soul and you decided to be black. You are reaping what you sowed. You had your day to cover your brother. You had your day to shield your brother. You had your day to fight for your brother. You had your day to say, brother, what is going on? What makes you steal from me? Instead, you went and did a meeting in the prefect council, in the prefect's office. You went to the CU meeting where there was the chairman and you were the secretary. And the agenda was ready. And you cut your brother to pieces. Now he is in glory. You can only watch from far. You shall see of it, but you shall not eat it. To date, I'm still reaping what I sowed. <laughs> because if I was not reaping, this would not be my suit. Freddy would have come and carried his brother, taken me wherever he could take me. My question to you as we prepare to pray, what is the color of your soul? What is the color of your soul? Are you black? Punching those who punch you back? Taking from those who take back from you? Are you measuring on responsibility but about you, not about the bigger picture? Freddy could have gone to this big man and told this big man, I am innocent, vindicate me. You know that I am a nice man. He decided, life is not about me. Life is about all these people who hate me, who nevertheless needs to be made better. Though they are evil, I will make them better. I will make their cars shine, though I'm not driving any car. Next week we'll come to this church, pastor. And there will be black men carrying a cross, waiting to stab. There will be gray men begging God for themselves and their families. But there will be golden men begging God for the church. Begging God for the nation. Begging God for the generation. This will be the king of the Jews. This will be the king of the Hebrews. This will be the king of the Romans. This will walk carrying the light of Jesus. May God help you make that decision. Thank you, Pastor. Let's appreciate the three gentlemen. Actually, today we had four preachers. Praise the Lord. We had four preachers. We had the apostle and the three gentlemen. They have ministered to us today. Amen? I don't know which cross you are or which one you want to become. We all have a chance. Jesus did it for us. We can do it for others and ourselves. Amen? No one is condemned. All are welcome. Whether you're on this side or you're on that side, the center is beckoning. Come. 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 
For us human beings, we are quick to condemn. Like my good Fred Apostle was quick to condemn Freddy. The truth is, many of us have our Freddies that we condemned. Because they stole from us. They cheated us. They lied about us. We couldn't forgive because of the pain that was in our heart. The message that I, I call it today is that we can all forgive and we can be forgiven. You may be the one carrying the black cross. That was Abraham one time worshipping idols, even serving idols. But God still went to him. And Abraham followed God and became the father of faith. You may be the other one on the other side. Selfish. Thinking about yourself only. But again, you have a chance. You can make good. This is a someone that calls for an altar call. And this altar call is for all of us. Praise the Lord. Because if we are honest with ourselves, if I ask, who can truly say I am carrying the golden cross? I'm not asking that question. But I want you to take a minute with yourselves. Have a conversation between yourself and yourself. And be honest to yourself. After you have had that conversation between yourself and yourself, have a conversation with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And accept. I am black or I am gray. But I want to be white or good. I like us to stand. And as we stand... If you are like me, lift up your hands to Jesus. When I say I'm like, you are like me, you are either black or you are either gray. I don't qualify to say I'm white or golden, but that's where I want to be. Father in heaven, we lift our hands to you to make a confession. There are those who are black and there are those who are gray. But we all confess that we are wanting and we need your help. Lord Jesus, we pray. Tonight we have heard your message. It pricks our hearts and would ask like those Jews, what shall we do when Peter spoke to them about you. And he said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you receive the Holy Spirit. Lord, today we repent and we ask that may you baptize us with your presence, with your glory. May we carry the cross that you call it. 
That one of humility. That one that cares about the others. May we be willing to surrender ourselves and be ready to forgive even those that are, seem to be unforgivable. Jesus, have mercy on us today. We repent and we ask that you forgive us. Lord, in this church we pray that those that are carrying black cross, they will transit to the golden cross. Those that are carrying gray crosses will transit to the golden cross. That is the cross that you told us to carry. And that is your cross. We bless you and we honor you because you are good God. You have forgiven us our sins. May we not sin anymore. May we do that which is right and fulfill our purpose on earth. Blessed be your holy name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.